Welcome to My Runner's Mind, where we run with gratitude towards a life of happiness and gratefulness. I'm your host, Stina Turgeon, and I believe that as runners, we're uniquely positioned to choose gratitude over negativity. Running itself is so badass, and each run offers multiple opportunities to turn a potentially negative thought or feeling into a positive one. Tune in as I'll share behind the scenes of what goes into my 12-week program, My Runner's Mind, which is mindset and spiritual coaching for women runners who know that they're ready to shift away from the shoulds and ought tos in their running routine and replace them with want and desire to live a happier and more balanced life. Are you ready? Let's go! Hi friends, runners. Maybe you're dreaming about becoming a runner. Maybe you ask yourself if you're really a runner. Either way, welcome to episode 90. Today's episode is an interview with a fellow runner, Emily Faith. I'm excited to have Emily on the podcast. She's in my Facebook running community, Train for a Half Marathon. There is a link in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. Emily is not your average runner. And I love to share her journey with you because I think one of the reasons she's been able to accomplish what she's accomplished is she's been mindful in her approach. In her words, she's been a consistent runner for about a year and a half only, but she's already accomplished a half marathon, a full marathon, and an ultra marathon, a 50 miler. That's not your average running journey, obviously. But what I really appreciate about her story is that she's doing it while having a full-time job and a family. I think one of the things you'll appreciate from the interview is the lessons she's learned along the way and how despite maintaining an ambitious goal of running 100 miles this summer, a 100 miler, four months from recording of this episode, her priorities have shifted since last summer. How she's making her goal more well-rounded where training for the Mohican 50, 50 miles last summer, it was very all or nothing back then. It was great interviewing Emily, so much so that we just stayed talking for so long. So I decided to make this a two-part episode. I clearly think you should listen to both episodes. The next one will come out next week. I didn't expect it to be a two-part episode, so it does end a little abruptly, but I'm sure you'll still enjoy it. And if you're in the Train for a Half Marathon group, please go give Emily some love and support. Now, I also want to say, because I recognize this from myself, that no running journey is better than another. I don't want you to feel that after listening to this episode, that you have to go out and set a more ambitious goal for yourself. That's not my intention. Emily's goals are not for everybody, and that's okay. And I say this because my younger self, a former version of myself, would have started the comparison game. And I don't want you to get trapped in that. If her journey serves to inspire you, that's wonderful. But don't use it to make yourself feel less accomplished. All right, it was important for me to get this out there for you. So before I turn it over to the interview, I want to take a minute to just acknowledge you 
And thank you so much for tuning in every week to these episodes. You have no idea how much that means to me. I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and let me know what has you tuning in every week. All right, runner friend, here's the interview. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited to be here with you all again today. I've got an interview for you, and I'm super excited about this interview. Emily, Emily Faith, who's with me today, is one of our members in Train for Half Marathon. Emily is very, is a frequent contributor in our group, and she has definitely made herself known in the group. And so I was super excited when I reached out and asked her if she would be on the podcast. And she's like, yeah, sure. And I'm super excited about sharing her journey with you guys today. We almost got into talking too much about it before the podcast started. <laughs> I was like, stop, wait, otherwise we'll have to bag it all up. So I'm just going to turn it over here and then we'll get into the whole interview. I'm very, very excited. So Emily, introduce yourself, please, to everybody. Hi there, everyone. I'm Emily Faith. I A little bit about me. I'm 44. I'll be 45 this year. I'm married. I have two kids. One's 20, almost 23, and one's almost 14. And my oldest just had a grandbaby. So I'm actually technically a grandma now, although I don't really feel like a grandma. <laughs> you don't look like a traditional <laughs> grandma. Not that I, I have like. a three-month-old grandson too now. So for you know my job, I'm a nurse actually. Uh, I've been an RN for 24 years, 23, four years now, and I am also an EMT. I've been doing that for 25 years. So I have you know that clinical medical background. I worked for a local hospital for 20 some years and did like acute care, hospital setting, nursing. And then I just recently switched, which was kind of part of my running journey, I guess. I left my career of 23 years and mm. totally did a 180. And now I work from home for an insurance company and I do education for their case managers. So it's uh, been really kind of the best thing for me because now I get to really find that work-life running balance that I didn't have before that I never would have had before if it wasn't for this with this career change so very cool little yeah a little scary at 40s you know to to really change where you were headed but it was it was really the best thing for me so Mm -hmm. yeah I like that so much because you know a change such a dramatic or drastic change like you're describing which is a 180 can really kind of you know, pave the way for some other big changes, which it sounds like it paved the way for, for instance, for running for you, right? So very cool. So let me start off with the first question that I always ask people, how long have you been a runner for? And why did you start? <laughs> so this is where we started I'm already kind of diving in. So yeah. I have actually truly what I would consider being a consistent runner or truly mm-hmm. a runner since like the summer of 2019. So fairly 2019, was that really it? seems like it was later than that, actually. No, in 2019, I started dabbling in some 5Ks. So I would run a 5K here and there. I would sort of do it for exercise. My first ever like training to do a race was in 2021. So I've only really been sort of less than two years running for a year and a half. Right. And really, I, you know, like, many people, you know, you kind of get started because you want to lose weight or it's an exercise. And 
And to me, that was it. Being an EMT, I had some traumatic events happen that I needed an outlet. So I'd work out and really kind of was a whole different whatever, but I kind of used it as just like a way to go clear my thoughts. And did the 5Ks, then COVID came and then everybody stopped running together. And I sort of kept running or doing and being outdoors as much as I could. I had done a trail race right before the shutdown and I loved that. So I knew that was an environment Mm. that I liked, but I never really did consistent running until I decided that. And with the job change, I was basically building an education to teach people about prediabetes. And I realized (laughs) how many risk factors I had. (laughs) Oh, I should probably get myself in check here. So I decided to sign up for a half marathon and I had never done anything longer than I think five miles was like my longest. That was a little bit like me. I think we share some commonalities. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to bite the big one. I'm going to do a half marathon. So I signed up and I made my own training plan because I kind of did it on a whim. So I literally had, I was running like two, three miles and I was like, okay, I've got eight weeks to get ready for a a half marathon. Wow! So I built myself a training plan. I built myself a training plan. I sort of modified a Hal Higdon running plan with the whole 80-20 in mind and, and really didn't focus on speed. It was never, never about how fast. So I knew that I could take my time. I was doing these distances. It was more about being committed to staying consistent. And yes. so I, that's how I got started. So Very I cool. got my nutrition in check. I started running consistently. I dropped 40 pounds and kept going. Wow. Holy smokes. I did not know <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I dropped, I dropped 40 pounds with between having a job change that allowed me to focus on myself mm-hmm. and actually incorporating consistent nutritional awareness, new consistent exercise, just, I mean, lifting or running or just being consistent, you know, allowed me to really put myself where I needed to be. Right. And I'm just going to answer you probably felt better also. Oh gosh. I, yeah. I like, mean, I think that is such an I was important like man. When I first started running, you know, as the <laughs> weights were kind of coming off too. And it, and some of it was off before the half marathon. Some of it came off after that for right. the marathon training. But I mean, I, I put on a 40 pound weighted vest now to train with. And I think how in the world did I carry that extra weight? Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I think it's it's such an important aspect though too of, of our journey when we actually start to tapping into that we feel better and really you oh yeah sense all or that feeling yes. also right that yeah just feels better and I want to continue to do it also why I started kind of dabbling in it I I quit smoking I was a smoker I was a nurse You're I knew so- better but I, <laughs> I, I was a smoker and I quit smoking back in 2017 that really wasn't that long ago even I, huh. I mean, so for the Mm-mm. better part of your nursing career, you've been a smoker. Oh, like yeah. A smoker. yeah. Other than like when I was had kids and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely often I was a smoker. So I, I really just. For I you, was it, I'm just kind of curious just to tap into, I used to be a smoker way back. I mean, yeah. it, I stopped 28 years ago. I was, so I was 22 when I stopped. Right. So, but anyways, my excuse back then was that, well, I mean, I was afraid of putting on weight. 
for instance, right? If I stop smoking, yeah. which I think is pretty right. common for smokers, right? And I sure. have kind of the cavalier um, teenage attitude of, well, death needs a reason, whatever. <laughs> right. So I can continue smoking. Fortunately, I stopped. But yeah, oh, it's, uh, it's, you know, yes. having witnessed my mom going through COPD and ultimately pass away from it, it's, it's really not something I wish upon anybody. So good for right. you, you know, for, for quitting it and yeah, putting that in your rear view mirror. Awesome. Oh yeah. I, I kind of forget that I ever was a smoker, honestly, just because I love that. That just means you're not even you're, part of my life, right? That your self image yeah. transition or, or, or change is, is kind of complete, right? You're, yeah. you're Emily two point, whatever, <laughs> something like that, right? <laughs> like that (laughs) which is which is so cool also because when we talk and I talk a lot about change and self-image image image and whatnot especially when you start hanging out around people that don't know your past I would never have guessed any of this right and so you get this new chance again to just reaffirm your new self-image whether it's as a runner or you know a non-smoker or healthy person and all these things so that's so cool Yeah. yeah very cool awesome well Okay, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode here. What are are some highlights in your running and what are some struggles? And I want to preface this to the to the listener, because one of the reasons that I I reached out to Emily, I mean, I just knew her from the post in the group and I kind of knew that we I had the sense that we had a similar journey in being fairly novice runners, everything considered, and that I thought we were running we had run our first full marathon around the same time I ran Big Sur back in April last year and I remember you posted the picture of your full marathon which was leading up to a bigger race that you ran that year right it was part of your your training plan so she has just what at least has popped up in my mind Emily has just kind of continued (laughs) to building her distance and distance and distance and she'll get into that now and that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring her on here on the episode for y'all to just kind of hear about because you're into the ultra distances now which I think will be super cool yeah so I started that you know August of what did I say it was 2021 Mm-hmm. With my own modified training yeah. plan of sports, <laughs> I finished the half marathon and mm-hmm. thought, well, that isn't bad. I, I think I can go further. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I finished it and I was like, well, like that was like, I'm done. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I actually finished it like so much uh, sort of faster or better than what we thought. My husband and son didn't even, they didn't even make it back to the finish line in time. Cause I'm like, I'll be out there for hours. <laughs> so yeah, I finished it and I'm like, all right, I can do this. So let's go further. So I decided I was going to do a full marathon. I think it's fascinating that there are people out there that do this full marathon distance, like 2% of the world, right. Or something like that. Right. It's crazy. Well, I like, think it's what? maybe a half a percent or a percent. Yeah. But yes, yeah, true. something crazy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, but I think I can do it. So I decided that I was going to do the marathon. And then I thought, you know, I, I got talking to a friend who does this. We have what's called the Mo 100 near us it's in Mohegan. It's in Loudonville, Ohio. Oh, you know, a couple hours from where I'm from and everybody travels all over for the Mo. And I've been camping down there and I've seen these people like sprawled out in the yard and I'm like, oh my gosh, they just did 50 miles and a hundred miles. Like those people are crazy. And I've always wanted to like 
sort of be part of that because I thought like, how fascinating, how fascinating would it be to like talk to these people? And so I talked to a friend who actually her and her husband have hiked the marathon distance, the 25 mile distance of this and talking to her. And she's like, you know, yeah, like there's, you know, how many people do the 15? I started kind of researching it a little bit more YouTubing it. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to build the 25 or 26 for a marathon, I'm going to keep building. I'm going to do 50. So that's what I did. I did have a a virtual coach from the local, we have a a running store, a running shoe store near us and they do coaching. So I worked with them virtually to, and he builds a plan from January to April so that you can finish the glass city marathon in Toledo, Ohio, which was the end of April. And he would, you know, I, he'd kind of get after me if I did a little like double uh, an extra run or something. I'm like, but Hey, like this, this marathon's only a training run. So I kind of had to keep kind of reminding him that it was only a, the marathon wasn't my end goal. Whereas that was his end goal for me. And I'm like, no, I'm going further buddy. So, (laughs) so I did that. So I started, I finished the half marathon in November I dropped my mileage for December, you know, with the holidays kind of took it easy. I hit January. I got a week into my plan and got COVID. So then I, right. So I'm like, oh, great. I'm, I'm doomed, but I wasn't, I just took it easy that week and then started going, you know, just building. I never, never really missed a mile. I might not have missed, I might not have hit the targets for speed or heart rates or things that he was trying to get me to shoot for, but I never missed a mile. I was always time on feet for me. I knew that was going to be really important to finish 50. So I followed the the plan. I stayed committed, watched my nutrition. That's where I lost, you know, I lost more weight because I was starting to find out what foods were actually bad for me. Like I don't do well with certain foods and I've I don't do well with dairy. Mm. It upsets my stomach. (laughs) I mean, so why am I eating it? You know, so I, I worked on nutrition things along the way along so that I knew that when I went into 50, I was my best self that I could be. Cause I knew that that 50 was really going to be a struggle for me. And, you know, so I've never, I'd never done that before. So I knew it was going right. to be a struggle. So I used the glass city, I built up. And then I started just really just kind of getting any chance I had to walk, run, stand, move. I did that from April to June. And then I finished the 50 miler successfully. Was that in June? June. Yeah. It was the first weekend of June. So you, yeah, you literally doubled. So, I mean, you worked up to a marathon in April and then you doubled it to a 50 miler in June. Yeah. Well, and that was less time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, I think I had, or a month less. Yeah. I think I had six weeks, seven weeks between the marathon to the 50. Whereas I, when I ran my marathon, took a full month of running (laughs) off of running. And after my marathon, I was like, yeah, I'm taking a month off. (laughs) No, you were not able to do that. No, I had a down. I did have a recovery week. I did very easy run walks, really just kept, but I kept moving. I did run walks and stuff the week after the marathon, but I felt really good. I had been lifting weights, really focusing on leg strength to make sure that my legs were strong, kind of going into it. And then I took that week off to like, you know, I just did short 
easy runs. And then I switched from road training to trail training. Gotcha. Probably what tried to hit the trails a little quicker than I should. I tweaked my ankle pretty good. Mm-hmm. All the things that we don't really worry about when we're training on the road as much. But yeah, and so really I was just trying to, it was just time on feet then. So it was, you know, could I do two runs? Not fast, not long. I might do three or four in the morning and then I would go do four, five, six at night or mm-hmm. vice versa. And we're talking speeds of like, 10, 11 miles or, you know, minutes per mile. Ultimately I went into the 50 miler with a plan of, I wanted out by dark because I had never had the opportunity to train in the dark, in the dark. for running. Sure. So I wanted off the trail. Which would be what time? Like seven or eight PM? I had 15 hours. 15 hours. Okay. So 15 hours from start to dark. So that put me at a 17 minute mile. So I knew that I didn't have to go, I could go train. I didn't have to go fast. I was just, right. you know, logging yeah. miles. Yeah. So and that's and what I did. did. You do? I finished in 15, 15, 15 hours and three minutes. Did you? Nice. <laughs> yep. I nailed it. Yeah. As far as that, yeah. I stayed really true to my plan of, you know, eating, drinking, moving, you know, walk when I had to mm. power hike, run when I could. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious how much of that of a run that distance is is spent running and how much is spent, like you said, power hiking or and, and I guess it was a trail run on top. So yes, that would probably, you know, also impact. Well, I think with each trail it's a little different because I mean right. I can I can run a flat. At the time I wasn't very good about going downhill so I was real kind of clunky going down the hill whereas now I'm actually probably my I, I just fly down a hill now I've kind of learned how to get down hills a lot faster that. sure so the flats were ran at probably more like a 10 or 11 like my normal road speed but then the mo is actually pretty there's some definitely some vert to it mm-hmm. so there's a lot of up and a lot of down. So that is spent power hiking. As far as how much of that was actually power hiking to, I don't even know, maybe 50, 50, 50. I don't know. I mean, it seemed like every time I was tired of running, it was time to hike. And every time I was tired of hiking, it was time to, run. Time to so, run. I mean, it kind of worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. I was just curious because I noticed for myself during my, and that was just the marathon. And I don't know if that's something you can relate to also. There was a distinct point where I just kind of felt my form slip, you know, and I think so much about form just because of chi running and and being an instructor. But I noticed that I I came up to about 18 mile and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. (laughs) I'm just gonna, you know, it's just about making it to the end now for me more than anything. And so I definitely noticed that I was not as tuned into my, my form and whatnot. Is that something, maybe not so much in your ultra, I don't know, but your marathon. With the marathon with Glass City, and I think I'm sure everybody that trained for anything that year realized. So every weekend that I was outside doing my long run, Mm -hmm. it was zero degrees out. I was lucky to have maybe 10 degrees, 15 degrees for a high 
I go outside and run in that kind of weather, you know, all bundled up. Sometimes I had to do some speed work on my treadmill. So I was fortunate there. So I trained all my mileage in really cold weather. And about a week and a, about a week before the marathon, mother nature woke up and said, "Never mind, I wanted to be hot. <laughs> so all of a sudden, all of us that were training for this marathon, who's cold acclimated now had basically a week to get heat acclimated, which didn't happen. Like our, right. our running coach basically is like, you guys have to slow down, you know, a minute, a mile, like this is so, I mean, that week when it was supposed to be taper week and resting, we were out running in the sixties just to get used to the sixties and then race day. And it was, I want to say 82 degrees. And Mm. we were, I mean, it was scary because none of us that had been out preparing for this had any chance to prepare, you know, your, your clothing's based on cold weather. And now suddenly you have to figure out what shorts you're going to wear that aren't going to chafe you and, and your form, you know, that's just, you just lose all that sense when that, when it went by the end of the race is when it was the hottest Mm. for us, obviously, especially us, you know, back of the pack runners that aren't, you know, the speed racers through, I mean, I hit, I hit 20 miles and thought, oh my gosh, like my shoulder hurts. And I was carrying my vest because I was I was using it to prepare for the trail 50. So I was, had my running vest. I had the water on my back. I had the nutrition in the, and I ran the whole marathon like that. I didn't mm. use their aid stations. I didn't use their stuff because I needed mm. to be ready for the trail. So I right. carried that on my back that whole time. And by 20 miles, I'm like, I'm so hot. And then of course the last couple miles before the finish, there's no fans cheering you on. You're on this little tight bike trail. There's mm-hmm. no wind, there's no fans, there were no aid stations anyways. It was god awful hot and people that look like elite runners are lying in the ditch waiting for EMS to come pick them up because they've overheated wow. so bad. Oh my word. It was I mean the EMS is coming in on their bikes and golf carts. I mean it was awful. And I somewhat internally kind of panicked like these people are lying in the ditch. I need to make sure that I don't end up right, there. But we'll have so I really, my, my form went to crap, but on the other hand, I completely turned on to myself and said, okay, what do I need to do to get through these next four or five miles <laughs> safely? Yeah. So if that's walking, that's, you know, running, what, whatever, I need to get through this next jog with no people, nowhere near my husband safely. <laughs> So my form went to crap, but I was able to like get through, you know, kind of dial it in and and stay on top Mm -hmm. of things. 50, the first loop was 28 miles. Mm -hmm. I did fine. Form did great. I was strong. I was good. I stayed on top of it. I would say, and then I headed out for the second loop and I did really well. I would say until I hit hit 40 miles. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I hit 40 miles. Like I'm going to do this. Right. Like I'm not, I've only got 10 more miles. Like I can do 10 miles. So by then I was still good. I hit the next aid station, which would have been about 45 miles. My legs were hurting. Like I was tearful. My legs were hurting. 
my form had went, you know, you, you get slouchy and you forget all the things that you need to check in on. And so by then I was, I was pretty tearful and, and starting to hurt. So I was just happy to get to the aid station. And then I was able, basically able to refuel enough to kind of get myself recollected, get through those next three miles. And then I got, I had like two miles to go. And they were like, of course, the, like the longest two miles is getting dusky outside. Yep. And so your vision starts changing <laughs> a little. And I'm just like using my poles, trying Am to I just there get, yet? Am I there yet? <laughs> just get there safely. My cell phone's dying. I text my husband and said, I have one more mile to go and my cell phone's going to die. So like, just so he knew and was, was right. ready, but your form kind of, by that point, my form was kind of like the last thing that I was worried. I was more worried, worried about just learning to pick up my feet at that point right. so that I didn't trip. Right. We put ourselves through something like this. <laughs> and now you're going to double that. I'm going to double it. That's my plan. <laughs> so yeah, tell everybody, because I don't think you shared that on the podcast yet, maybe, but you shared it with me. What's your current goal? My running goals now are to build up and instead of doing the Mohegan 50, I'm going to do the Mohegan 100. I'm yes, in the summer, decided, right? Yeah, it's the same weekend. So beginning of mm -hmm. June. Again, though, I'm sort of using my own plan. I've kind of just been researching. That is so like, fascinating. How do I want to <laughs> do this? What do I want it to look like? I just the other day pulled out my old marathon plan and mm -hmm. I was kind of looking at that. I'm like, you know what? I need to build in some of these tempo runs. I need to build in some of the hill repeats. I need to build in some things that I did because I felt amazing. I felt so strong after my marathon and 50 training. I was so strong. And honestly, I was sore after I did 50. I mean, I was like that, like, oh, I'm sore. And, you know, up and down the stairs was sore, mm -hmm. but like we went canoeing and we went, you know, we still went hiking and we still did all that stuff that sure. week after because I was so well prepared for 50 and I just really want to do that for a hundred. So, and how's your form right now? Struggling with, I'm kind of struggling with that. That's my struggle right now. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit with my confidence of this Good. only because I was following a plan that I felt was a little bit aggressive to what I personally wanted to be doing. It was, you know, two months ago, I should have been running 20, 30 miles on a Saturday and another 20 miles on a Sunday and mm -hmm. I wasn't there. So I felt like that training plan was just, wasn't a fit for me. Not every training plan is a fit for every person and you have to find the right. But was it paced to where you would be ready by June then? Or yes. Was it, it was like basically, it, it was a 40, week. it was a 48 week training plan. 48 but, week people. Listen, it's almost a year. Just yeah. 48 <laughs> weeks. But the but only way sense. I mean, but basically what she was saying though, with the training plan is, is that you had to have finished a 50 within six months of starting that 48 week plan. And actually, by the time I picked up the book and started looking at it, I only actually had 43 weeks and already like you should have been doing 20 miles on Saturday and 20 on Sunday. And I'm just like, I'm not there. So I've just been trying to build a bigger base keep my weekly mileage at like 50 miles, 50 to 60 a week, and then drop, drop to 20, 30, 50, 50, 50, yeah, drop to 30. Sure. Just to, just to make sure that I don't want to burn out <laughs> trying to get to hundred. And I right. think that's where I was And I think that's such an important point. And I'm glad you're being vulnerable on this episode, because I think yeah. sometimes, and that's what I'm noticing myself also, I'm a novice runner too. I've been at it for five years 
And what I did notice in the beginning, and I think I shared it in one of my episodes on like how to train for a half marathon, I think it was called, is that when we first get going, we kind of have this just, which is great. We have this, such a strong desire. And if, if, if we, like you also describe, have success at the, at the first race and we're like, I can definitely do this again, or I can definitely do more than this and maybe double it and whatnot. We kind of keep ourselves going and ramp up fairly fast. Now, what I didn't realize at that point though, was that, you know, the proportionate gains that we see at the beginning, we can't maintain, right? Because all of a sudden your baseline is so different from two years ago. Your baseline (laughs) now is like 50 miles a week. I mean, that's high for an amateur runner, right? That's just the time commitment that goes into logging that amount of miles a week, right? And clearly, mm-hmm. you know, that the the growth that you've had in the last two years is staggering. And obviously we can't maintain a similar kind of growth in a two-year right. span, right? I mean, and right. that's where, you know, when I read up on it, that's, you know, all these coaches also are, t- are talking about it just like you're describing for the ultra, it just takes time, time mm-hmm. on feet to build that base. So I think it's, it's so good that you, you at least have that, you know, confidence enough in yourself to say, well, is this the right goal for me right now? Also not saying that it won't be down the road, but is it the right goal for this summer? Maybe am I there to where I feel I can ramp up to a hundred and do it safely also. Right. Cause you, like you said, right. you don't want to burn out. You definitely don't want to injure yourself. I mean, that's the thing. The real right. risk for us is injury that then will take forever to heal. And then we right. might so, get over. So t- just talk to us real quick. Have you had any injuries other than, well, maybe I didn't have a whole, yeah, I didn't have a whole lot for 50. Um, and I think that's what sort of has, I guess, dropped my, I don't want to say my confidence, my confidence a little bit is I had my first DNF. I was signed up for 50 K. So it was, you know, 30 miles. I had that back in November. Again, I was just, I wasn't going in it like, oh my gosh, I never go in it to win it. I never go in it for a speed. I always go in it to learn something. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to train for a hundred, I should probably try some different shoes that might have a little bit more support, a little bit more cushion than what I was running in. And so I went to this 50 K with new shoes, which they always say, never go to a race, new new shoes, (laughs) but the thing of it was more that, and I had used it for some short hikes, but the thing of it was, is that it was a really wet like it was wet. We thought it was going to be muddy. That's why I bought the shoes. I wanted to try them in mud. I thought, well, you know what? I'm not going to win. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to race this. I'm not, I'm trying to learn. Mm -hmm. So I wore the shoes and the trail ended up being where they had us running was actually much drier than what we expected it to be. We expected it to be like real thick, grippy mud Mm -hmm. and actually ended up being drier. So I ran the first 15 mile loop in these new shoes and realized really quickly that was really a bad idea because I felt like I was running in softball cleats like up on cleats yes and it threw off my form so then I was trying to recover my form and then of course you know then it was a perfect storm because I needed to hurry up and finish hurry up and finish this 30 miles so that I could get back home because my son had an event and then I had an EMS dinner and I had all, I overbooked myself Mm. mentally, 
that day. So not only was I trying to do something new, then I was mentally overbooked. So I didn't go into it with a real good mindset. Hmm. So I finished 15. My friend was there. She was going to do like a nine mile hike while I was doing my 30 run, which should have timed out about right. And I finished 15 and I'm like, I can't go on any further. My feet are killing me. My legs are fried from running up hills and softball cleats. Right. And mentally I'm not here. I'm, I'm not here. I'm checked out. I checked out and already home. And I realized that it w- didn't make any sense for me to keep going. Like I was only asking for injury out of that. Right. So I told the race director like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm out, but I'm going to go back. My friend's still on the course. So I went back to her, her and I hiked out. We always, we go hiking together and we chat. And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to hike her out of the, you know, up and out of this. At this point, the weather's changed. It's piling snow. We have a two hour drive home, you know? So it's like, it was the best decision for me, but unfortunately, because I did use those shoes without really probably weren't breaking them in a little bit, at least uh, I developed like arch inflammation in my foot. So now anytime I do any really hard, hard runs on trails, that arch. Yep. So I've been to the doctor. I mean, there's nothing. He's he, basically, we're treating it like a plantar fasciitis, trying to ice it and stretch it and mm-hmm. do the exercises and stuff. But so now I have an arch that's giving me trouble, unfortunately, but I know what to do. I know what, how to work through it. It doesn't really right. hurt me on the run. It hurts me afterwards, afterwards. like two days sure. after right. is when right. it really flares up. Yeah. And you don't have... Build into your schedule any downtime, really, right? When you were running 57. No, <laughs> no there's not really a lot. I did this week, this past weekend, I did, I went, headed back down to Mo, down to Mohegan and did a, a what I consider a training run. I specifically signed up for a run that was all uphill, basically. And that was the whole point is they had a, a vertical mile of uphill. So you do 16 miles. And if it wasn't straight uphill, it was straight downhill to take you right straight back uphill. So mm. the vertical for that was about 6,400 feet. The whole 50 miles I did, I only hit not even, I, I think I hit 7,000 7, feet. And this 16 miles I did, <laughs> I did almost the same. So my legs were that toast. Was intense. For, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. My legs were toast. So I knew this week had to be a down week. I built it in that way to be a down week. So I've done, I think 30 miles this week. So sure. yeah, there's a lot yeah. of planning involved, huh? <laughs> Especially yes. when you, yeah, you have when to, you when you're, yeah, yeah, when you're built, when you're building up to such big distances, you you're right. You can't just jump into things. Right. So I have like, you know, okay, this was 16 miles, but it was a lot a vertical challenge. Okay. I wanted to see where my legs were. And how well did I recover? Well, it took me two days to recover from that. So I'm mm. not quite where I need to be, but I have till June to get there. So mm. I have some 50 Ks built in the next couple months, different so challenges. Your plan is still to move forward with hundred. I'm summer. still going to move forward. You know, I always go into these races though of finishing. So if I have to walk a hundred miles, I will walk a hundred miles. Mm. I, don't, I mean, and if I get to a point where I feel like I'm in the middle of the race and I'm physically going to harm myself by continuing on. I will not continue on. Right. 
Right. Like the 50 miler. So real quick, because this is a podcast about mindset for runners. I want to touch, or I want to tap into some of your thoughts Mm -hmm. around. So you had to DNF on the, on the 50 miler you said, and maybe just anything else that kind of pop into your mind. Talk a little bit about your mindset. Well, I really had my mindset developed after after that, after that DNF was really Mm -hmm. off because I had never, I had never not completed something that I had set out to do. Mm, so type a person personality (laughs) (laughs) well I'm probably very familiar to a lot of runners (laughs) you know honestly you know growing up and everything I was never never pushed to challenge myself Mm. and you know an athletic I was athletic I knew that there was things like I did gymnastics and I know that there were skills that I could have done had I pushed myself had I had somebody pushing me to do it to really encourage me to do it I'm sure I could have done it but I didn't and I never have had this like driven mindset until I've hit these running goals to where I've really just looked at you know looked into myself and said okay what am I capable of what am I feeling and that 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 DNF really sort of hit a nerve in the sense of like, wait a minute, like, you know, I, I set a plan, I stayed committed, I made it through all of this, made it to 50. And, you know, I really sort of was lackadaisy about things. I really wasn't checking in with myself the way I needed to be. I wasn't engaged in the process as much as I needed to be. Hmm. And like I said, I mentally, Like I should never have ran that race. Like I should never even went to that race. I knew I had way too much on my plate that day. Right. That's just setting us up for failure almost as a runner, because we need to be able to mentally work through so much, whether it's a short run, a long run or fast or slow, we have to mentally be there. Yeah. And if we're not, then we're, you know, we're really at risk for injury or, or, you know, or poor outcomes because of that. You know, a good run isn't because we ran it fast. A good run's because we were able to accomplish it. (laughs) All right, runner friend, thanks for listening to part one of this two-part interview. I hope you enjoyed listening to Emily's story. Make sure you come back next week and listen to part two. I'd like to tell you about a very special event I'm offering this summer. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel happier, more confident, and empowered while running, I invite you to join me this summer at the Running Align Body and Mind Women's Retreat right here in North Central Wyoming at the foothills of the majestic Bighorn Mountains. I'll personally work with you to help you how to take the chore out of running. The retreat will teach you that running can be a vital and enjoyable part of your life. But most importantly, the five-day in-person experience will help you connect to you. To learn more, see the link in our show notes. So if running is our practice ground and we can turn every experience into fuel, then we can transfer it to the rest of our life and positively impact our whole world, just one run at a time.